Good. Welcome, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed worship. Um, worship was, it's funny because uh, Pastor John, uh, I've spoken to him about worship. Um, worship's big on my heart, not to lead worship, but just because I love worship. But one thing that Pastor John, I've, I've spoken with him about is he really loves to bring us on a journey um, through worship. And the words that we sing, it's not just like arbitrary words that we are saying and singing to God. But it, God's really, and Pastor John, by the Spirit, is bringing us through this story, this journey of, thought, of a thought process to, you know, enter into the presence of God. But I feel like specifically this, this worship set we, that we just had, um, it was very, 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 very on point. Um, and so, yeah, before we begin, I'm just going to pray. Okay. God, right now, we just welcome your presence. God, we welcome your presence. We know that you are here among us, and we welcome you. God, we acknowledge that you are real in this place, that you're not just an idea, but that you are real, God. And tonight we pray that you'd make yourself known to us, that we would come face to face with you, God, that we would know with certainty the depth of your love for us. We don't want to do anything without you, God. You are what we need, and not only that, you are what we want in this place, and God, whether we understand that or not, we just declare that, that that is the truth. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill this room with greater density. God, that you would breathe your presence, that we would be able to breathe in your presence, the thickness of it here in this place, God. We just thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, I want to start us today talking about our desires. Okay. Um, what is, what are the things that we desire in our lives? Okay. This is a rhetorical question, but, um, I kind of want you guys to answer it. So what is something that you guys desire? Food. Work. Huh? Success, money. Good grades, right? Marriage. Yes. Yes. Marriage. Um, one thing, some of the things that I wrote down, it's comfort. We desire comfort, right? We desire stability. We desire to have fun, right? We desire to sing, to dance, to have a good time, right? To live life to the fullness. Um, as Christians, specifically, we desire God's blessing, right? These are things, this is a good thing to desire. Um, we desire to be prospered by God. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? God desire, like, he desires to prosper us and not to harm us. It's not, it's not just like he wants you to live, but we want to be prospered by God, right? In Romans 8.28, it says, We know that those who love God, for who, those who love God, all things work together for good. Right? That's something that we desire, that everything that we have would work for good. Whether we screwed up or not, right? we want everything to work for our good. Right? But... How do we get to this life of these fulfilled desires? Right? Again, these things are not evil. Desire is not evil. But how do we get to this point where our desires are actually fulfilled? Right? Who in this place actually feels really, really fulfilled right now? 
didn't think so, right? I am not one of those people, right? I, no, no one raised their hand. I did not raise my hand, right? I don't feel fulfilled. And there's, there's a question like, so then if I don't feel fulfilled, why is that? How do I get to that place of being fulfilled, right? And so tonight we're going to look at a passage in Exodus. So I want you guys to open your Bibles to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Um, so please turn with me if you have your Bible, whether it's physical or digital. Please turn to, pay, to Exodus 33. And we're going to go through the whole passage, so I'm just going to go bit by bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing one, all at once because it's kind of a lot. Um, and I'm just going to start with reading Exodus 33, 1 through 3. Okay? So the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Right? It sounded all good. Until verse 3. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, God, you're not going with us. Right? And, and the question is why? So if you go back to, okay, so there's a lot of context here. We, there's a, a lot of context. Um, we're going to go back a little bit. I encourage you to go into your Bibles. Read Genesis and Exodus. They are very, they're chock full of like revelation. These stories are really interesting. I don't have time to go through all of them today. Right? But I'm going to give you the rundown. Okay, so this all starts with this man named Abraham. Right? And what did one thing about Abraham is he was simply chosen. Right? Why was he chosen? Doesn't say anywhere in the Bible. If you go to at Genesis 12, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn there for you. But Genesis 12 says, right? Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and to your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Why did God give him this blessing? If you look right before, you know, like, okay, let's look context. Right before, it just says that this was the descendant, the, the forefathers of Abraham. That's it. There's nothing that Abraham did to deserve it. There's nothing that Abraham did to like, hey, God, I really, really want this. God was just like, hey, Abraham, I want to make this promise to you. Right? It's like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, God, like, give it to me. I want the blessing, right? And if you go to chapter 15, there's a specific covenant that Abraham, he makes with Abraham. It says um, in verse 5, look toward the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. So part one of the promise is your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars. This is to a man who had no children yet. He had just been, God called him into this foreign land, and he had no children, he had no heir, and God's saying, hey, look, my promise to you is I'm going to multiply you. And not only that, verse 7, um, sorry, not verse 7, <laughs> verse 15, eh? 18, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt and to the great river, to the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and Rephrim, the Amorites and Canaanites, the Girgashites and Jebusites. Does this sound familiar? We just read this list just now in 
Exodus 33, right? So God wants to give them this land, this specific land, this land of these dudes, okay? Um, so part one of the promise is what? Offspring. Part two of the promise is land, okay? The, the area, okay? And so we see throughout the story of Genesis, really long story short, Abraham has a son, that son has two sons, one of those sons has 12 sons, and those 12 sons multiply like rabbits in Egypt, okay? They multiply like rabbits in Egypt, and now we go to Exodus. I'm, I'm being serious right here. Exodus 1-7 says, But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. This is not just like, hey, we're going to have like, you know, 144 of us now instead of 12. It's, there's so many of them that they are filling the land, right? But this creates a problem. So this is the promise of God being fulfilled, part one, right? But this promise being fulfilled also causes problems, right? Because because of their great number, Egypt says, yo, this is, this is not cool. There's too many of these guys. If they decide to rebel, we're screwed. They could overpower us anytime, any day, if they wanted to. So let's turn them into slaves. Okay? And they become slaves, and then the whole prince of Egypt, right? Um, like, for 400 years, they're slaves, and then the movie Prince of Egypt, they're rescued out. You know, you guys have seen it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Moses is rescuing the, the people out of Egypt, right? And so now they're on their way into what is called the promised land, Right? The, so we've, we've got this problem, they multiplied, they had slaves, they were, not, not had slaves, they became slaves, and then they were, God was like, okay, this is a problem, I want to set you free from your slavery, and so we're taking you out. Now you're set free, okay, they're set free, they're out, and they're supposed to enter into the promised land, and they screw up, right, they screw up pretty bad, greet it. Okay, <laughs> they screw up really bad. And God says, okay, now you're just going to have to wander in this desert for 40 years until all of you die so that the people who rebelled against me, who did not believe in me, who did not trust that I'm good, those people, you, I'm sorry, but you can't enter into the promised land, right? You can't enter into this land of rest. You're just going to be here in the desert, right? And they, you know, stuff, 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 stuff. But now we are here, right? Exodus 33, 32, rather. Exodus 32, Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God. And when he meets with God, it's just like there's fire, lightning, and power, right? And the people are scared. They think Moses died, and they say, okay, we don't want to worship this scary God anymore. Let's make an image of God in the form of this golden calf and worship this because this is less scary. This is something familiar. Okay? And God's anger burns hot against them. And Moses has to calm God down. God, these are your people. You promised them that you would enter, like bring them out. Don't kill them all, please. And then God's like, all right. You know what, Moses? You're right. I'm not going to kill them all. And then Moses goes down and sees what's happening. And now he's like, what the heck are you doing? And he throws his, the Ten Commandments to the ground. They break. And there's this, all this drama. Right? You got to read this. This is crazy, man. Like, um, but anyway, so we're, now we're here at chapter 33, finally. Um, and 
God's saying, you know what? Here, let me, I can't, I can't handle you guys right now. If you keep doing this, this is a, not once have you messed up and disbelieved me. Second time, now you're making this idol instead of worshiping me. I can't handle you guys anymore. If, if I stay with you, you're just gonna, I'm just going to consume you. It's not like I want to consume you. Naturally, I am going to consume you, right? Because there's no way that you can continue in this mindset, continue in this way, and stay in my presence, right? And this is, you know, for us as believers right now, this is like salvation. This is Jesus. Jesus comes in, he sets us free, and he allows us to walk into, you know, the promises. But going back to these people, right, they are about to go into the promised land. If I, I can't go with you, so here, go without me. Because if I go with you, I'm going to consume you. So you know what? I love you guys a lot, but you can't handle me right now. So you just go without me. You guys can go happy. And it says here what? I'm going to send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. He's going to get rid of everybody. All of the obstacles, all of the stuff that would be against them. God's saying here, you know what? I'm willing to get rid of these things from you so that you can enter into this promised land and be blessed. Into this land flowing with milk and honey. Right? And here we see their desires being fulfilled. The promise that God made to them being fulfilled. Right? This sounds like a really, really good offer. But going back, verse 3, but, but I will not go among you. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Okay. Let's look at the implications of this. If I do not go into the promised land without, if I do not go into the promised land with God, if I go without him, what is that showing? Right. Number one, it shows that what we were looking for, what we were after was the blessing itself. Right. All we wanted was that peace. All we wanted was that joy. All we wanted was to be content, to be comfortable, to be, you know, what, did I, what else did we say? <laughs> you know, all of those things. That was all we wanted. And if we, we could go, God could give that to us. We, I see people all the time who enter into these blessings, right? And it's great. Like, it's happy for them. But then, if we were after the blessing alone, like, what does that mean? It means that we're not connected anymore to the source of the blessing, right? Like, if it, it says in, where is it? I'm sorry. Give me a second. So, if God is the source of all good things, right? God is the source of all good things. He is the one who gives us these blessings, right? If God gives us a one-time blessing, is that enough for you? Right? If I'm praying in a way that says, God, I, w I pray that I will have straight A's. God, I pray for my mom's health that she'll have a good long life. God, I'm not asking for much, like, can I just get a job so that I can have a little spending money just to like have, 
enjoy myself a little bit here in Korea, you know? Would I be content with that? It's not wrong to desire these things. Again, I, don't, I, want, I want to make that very clear. It's not wrong to desire these things. God wants to give you those things. God wants to bless you. That's one thing you have to understand. But if I'm disconnected from the source of that blessing, what does that mean? Right? Like, would you be okay just getting a blessing once, or would you want to have that for eternity? Right? To have that relationship with a person who could give you those gifts every day. Right? Would you, would you be happy like, God, you know what? Like, all I want is to have a, a six-figure job, five-figure job, not even six, right? Just give me a five-figure job. I'll be chill. And then, you know, God could give that to me, but that would, then that would be it, right? And so let me ask you again, is that okay with you, right? Can we truly be blessed if we're disconnected from God? Because God is what? The source of love, right? Personally, right? This is something that's big on my heart. You guys, if you've heard my other sermons, if you've, like, known me for any amount of time, you know, like, you know, I want to get married at some point. Right? That's fair. Right? Sure. But am I okay getting into a relationship without God? Right? Because the thing is, God is what? God is love. If I go into this marriage without God, without love, therefore, can I truly be satisfied? No, because I don't have the love that I was looking for all along, right? And so we see that the presence of God is essential, right? Connection to God is essential, right? And, and this is something that Moses realizes in this moment, right? And so what does he do? If you go to chapter 33, Exodus 33, verse 7, Um, it says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Okay? And then skipping down to verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, etc. Right? So what happened in this tent of meeting? God spoke to Abraham, or not Abraham, Moses. Moses spoke to God. Right? Um, And here's the conversation that Moses has with God. Verse 12. Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know with whom you will send me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. This is what you said to me, God. Now, therefore, if that's true, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, and he said, God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses said to God, if, you pres- if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and your people? It is, not in your go- it, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct in your people from every other people on the face of the earth? So then, what, what, this is the verse that I want to highlight. I want you guys, like, underline, 
highlight in your Bible or whatever. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Hey, this is, this is Moses' boldness before God. He's saying, you know what, God, like, I'm chill without the promised land. I need your presence. If I have, you know, like, this is, this is why I'm saying the worship was on point. The song, You Never Run Dry. What's the first verse? What do we sing? Even in the wilderness, through my pain, I will confess that you are always good, whatever. But what is Moses saying in this? Moses is saying, you know what? I would rather stay here in the wilderness with you than to go up into the promised land without you. Because even in the wilderness, you are my source. Even in my brokenness, you're my source. Right? And you never run dry. That's the whole song. You never run dry. You never run dry. Do you want to be connected to that source, even if you're in the wilderness? Or would you rather just be in this promised land of comfort and your desires being fulfilled? Is that okay with you if you're not connected to the source? And this is something that like, God's really put on my heart like the last four or five months. You know, like, there, like, the last time I preached about it, I was preaching uh, about hope. And I was preaching about, like, hoping in God, hoping that he'll fulfill his promises. But to be honest, I lost hope along the way since then. And because what I realized now is what I was going after was simply the blessing of God. All I wanted was the comfort. All I wanted was the relationships. All I wanted was, you know, a job that fulfills me, you know, like something that I can enjoy. All I wanted was to get married, you know, like, but nothing happened. And I'm still where I am. I was, you know, six months ago. And what I realized throughout this whole process was I was so fixated on receiving the blessing of God that I left the presence of God behind me. You know, and that was not fun, guys. It's really not fun. Because um, what difference, how am I any different, you know, from the people that are, that are around me then if I don't have the presence of God? This is what Moses says, right? For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? Right? It's, it's the presence of God that goes with us wherever we go that makes us distinct. Right? It makes us different. It makes us a light in this world. Right? And, you know, like, that's great and all, but, but what I'm fixating on right now is, like, is God's presence good enough for me? Right? Is that what I really desire? Is that, am I willing to do what it takes to go through the wilderness, to stay in the wilderness? Right? I, you may be in the wilderness right now, but would you stay there if God's presence was there? Right? This, is, this is something that like, challenges me because, you know, like, you know, you have a job that doesn't, isn't happy, 
It's not happening, right? You're just like there. It sucks. Like your boss hates you. You know, this is not my job, by the way. You know, like because <laughs> my boss loves me. Like I'll, I'll say that right now. And I, I'm so blessed and I regret that I take it for granted so, much, so often. But, you know, like if your job is horrible, like your, your boss hates you, everything's going wrong, but you know that God called you there that there was divine favor on that job when you applied for it, would you stay there? Or would you rather know, God, like, my comfort is too important, my happiness is too important, I can't stay here anymore. You know? I'm too tired, I'm too beat up, like, I'd, I, let me just get a new job. Right? That'll fulfill me. But you know God's presence was at that job. But you're trying to go to this other job because it seems like it's much more of a blessing and there's so much more favor there. But then God didn't call you to that. Right? And so God sees Moses' cry. God, I don't want to go without you. God, I want to have your presence. But that's a very like you can't grab that, right? Like, there's no this intangible. God, what, where is your presence in our lives? For them, it's very interesting because uh, if you know the story, going back and giving more context, God's presence came as a cloud by, by day, fire by night. Um, and this is interesting because, you know, like, they're in the desert, right? Do you guys know anything about the desert? It's hot. At night, it's what? It's freezing. Can you, can you understand the, 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 the blessing, the immense blessing that God's presence to them was physically in the desert? Imagine there's a gigantic cloud right here giving you shade. Would you want to leave that presence? No, it's like, oh, the, cloud, the sh shadow's here. I got to go over here. You know, I'm following God's presence. God's going over there. All right, I'm going over here because it's hot. You know, right? At night, there's a gigantic pillar of fire. It's dark, number one. They don't, they don't have electricity or matches. And so the fire gives them light. Number two, it gives them heat. Right? They would die to go with God's presence. I would rather go with God's presence throughout this wilderness than to stay here and in this promised land without this amazing cloud and God's presence. And this is God's training them here. God's training them to love his presence he's training them to follow his presence and and later on you'll see like god's presence changes he doesn't go into a cloud of fire or a cloud of gigantic cloud and a pillar of fire right he doesn't do that anymore later he has a different form but that doesn't mean his presence wasn't with them right but this whole thing about god's presence god's presence is your shade god's presence is your warmth in the wilderness right I don't want to go out into this other land without this level of comfort, this level of security that God brings into my life, right? This light that he shines into my darkness, right? Like, and so for, for Moses, Moses understood very well what it meant to go without God's presence, right? And so Moses cries out, God, I will not go out without your presence unless you need to come with us. And then what does God say? How does he respond to Moses? Verse 17. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. 
And then this is the nuts part. Moses said, please show me your glory. And, and uh, it's like God, Mo- Moses was not content just knowing the presence of God in the cloud and in the fire. He wanted more of God's presence. Right? It's not just now like, yes, okay, God, I'm, I'm saved. I'm a believer. I have friends. I have community. I have this wonderful teaching. I'm growing in maturity, you know, but like, God, I want to see more. God, show me your glory. Like, this is, God, Moses is a very hungry man. This is a picture of hunger right here. Like, if you are not doing this, just receive it right now. Make your mindset change to this. God, I want to see your glory. And, and what does God say? Does he say, no, you're too sinful. You can't enter into my presence. Like, forget you. There's no way. God, does God say that? No. Let's look. Verse 18. Nine, no. What verse is this now? Verse 18, yeah, 19. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And where, when my, while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Okay, so God's like, all right, Moses, you just stand over here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go like this. So you can't see me. You're just going to go like this. And then as soon as I'm over here, like past you, I'm going to take away my hand and you can see my back. Right? And... This is a revelation of God that not, not many people get. It's, it's like Moses is the only one, basically, right? Um, and so we see this encounter. If you go up to chapter 34, verse 5. This is like Moses goes up. He brings these tablets so that, you know, he broke the Ten Commandments. So he's like, God, we, need, got, we got to make new ones. So here, I'm going to break new tablets. Let's write them again. And he goes up. Verse 5, the Lord descends into the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. God proclaimed his own name. And what does God call himself here? This is, this is when Moses asks God, I want to see your glory. What does God reveal? He reveals his name, right? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go into the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Right? And so... Moses has this amazing encounter with God. And God tells him who he is. This is who I am, Moses. I am a God. I'm the Lord. And I am slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. Do you want this presence, this God in your life? Who 
love, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Are you okay with that, by the way? Do you understand why that's so good? Like, this is the goodness of God. And he says, oh, I will not clear the guilty. And it sounds like, wait, but you forgive, right? But then if, if we can't believe in a God who's just, who punishes sin, like, how can I understand that the person who murders will get their, you know, will God just let them go without any punishment, without anything? No, God's not like that. God's just, and he's perfect in his love. Um, and he will not clear the guilty. And he will, you know, this is, this is God's love for us, right? And so this is who God is. And he wants Moses to know this. Moses, this is who I am. This is before Moses asks for it. He said, you, I want to see your glory here. This is who I am. Right? And so, are we hungry for this God to see his glory in this way? Right? Like, to have this encounter of, like, like I, it's very, like, cut and dry in this passage, but, like, you have to imagine, like, I'm standing on this rock and this just shining light passes by. And like, I can't, I can't look. I have to worship. Um, and verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Right? After this encounter with God, with God's presence, Moses' face physically changed. It started to shine with light, right? I have not had this encounter, right? Um, I've had encounters with God. And this is where I want to challenge you, right? I've had encounters with God, and my life has been changed. If you knew me seven years ago, when I first came to Korea, I was pretty dark, like really depressed, Um I wasn't confident in myself. I had fear of public speaking, you know, like all this stuff. And somewhere along the line, like, I encountered God. And my face changed. Like, people see me now, and they're like, wait, your expression is like, if you compare my pictures from before, my eyes were like always half closed, you know, like, always, like just always tired, always like kind of just down. Like, would you want to be around that kind of person? No. Like, but all of a sudden, my face changes, right? This is, like, my encounter, my personal... It's a small encounter. My face isn't, like, shining beams of light, okay? Like, Moses here. My face is not shining beams of light, but there's evidence that my life has changed. You may not believe me, but my life has changed, right? And it's from encountering God personally... And saying, God, I don't want to go forth from this very room without meeting your presence. And so I want to ask you guys, are you hungry for this presence? Are you hungry for an encounter like this? Because God, if you ask, God will give it to you. Do you want to live this life of, you know, we started talking about desire, fulfilled promises. 
do you want to really enjoy these, like truly enjoy these promises that God's giving you? Or do you want to just have the promises and that's it? Right? Like, you know, for you guys, you're, you're, you're aiming for good grades, right? Your school, your students, hopefully you're aiming for good grades. I wasn't. But, um, you're aiming for good grades. Why? You know, like, is it for comfort? Is it so that you'll have a good job? Or are you aiming for those things because you know that God, this is like how you're going to fulfill your calling and how you're going to, you know, enter into the promised land with God, right? Like, will you just be satisfied with the grades or do you want more than that? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot in like, I'm very, you know, theoretical. And that's kind of just kind of how my brain works. But I hope you're with me right now. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah? And so, I want you guys to close your eyes. We're just going to, we're just going to go into this. You know, like, I can say all this stuff and you can be convinced of what I'm trying to say or not. You know, like, but the one thing that I know for sure is that God's presence in my life, you know, I, I, I mentioned before, like, the last six months have been really hard, right? But the last two weeks, God's been encountering me. The last two weeks, God's been encountering me. And I've begun to see this shift in my life. And I don't know if you have been encountering God recently. I don't know if you've seen his face or spoken with him personally recently but i'm telling you that he's exactly what you need right now if you're if you're struggling to like get your work done if you're struggling to like find value in in your relationships if you're the solution is not working harder the solution is not you know asking for more advice from your small group leader or getting more prayer. The solution is encountering God's presence. And I personally feel like God wants to encounter you guys individually. Not just this like, you know, I'm receiving a word from from Matt Coe on the pulpit or I'm like learning all this stuff from the Bible. But he wants to kn- you to know, hey, Vana, I know you. I know your situation. I know your name. I know everything about you. And I want to just be with you. Because I love you. This is what God wants to say to you tonight. And I don't know if you want that. And I want you guys to ask yourself, do you want that? 
Do you want to see God's glory, to go with His presence, even if it means staying in the wilderness? That means nothing in your circumstance will change. You will still have bad grades. You will still have division in your relationships, whatever. But God will be with you and He will encounter you. Would you be okay with that? Even if, like, you know, we, we, we pray and we're like, God, I want to just feel not depressed anymore. But what if you stay depressed, but God's presence goes with you? Like, your circumstances go, don't change immediately, but you know in your heart of hearts that God is real and that His presence is with you. He will be with you wherever you go. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that? Are you, do you want that? That understanding, that that unshakable faith in that idea that God will be with you even in the wilderness and so if that's you first I want you to just take a moment take a moment and look at these desires that you have on your heart Have you been desiring them without God? Are you okay just having those prayers answered? Or do you want a relationship? An understanding that God's real? If you want to know with certainty, if you want to see God's glory, I want you guys to stand up. This is not like, I'm not, I, this is not a magical thing. Like, I can't say like you're going to see a white light. But I can say for certain that God wants to speak to you right now. If you would open your heart. If you would say, God, show me your glory This cry of hunger, God can't help but to answer that prayer. So if I could have the crew come up real quick.